0: to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill.
1: And I'm Nico Bakulich.
0: And let's get biblical. Okay. But before we do so, mm-hmm. we got to lay down a couple of ground rules. Number one, I'm the ex-Christian. Nico is the non-believing sort of Jew.
1: And this is not a Bible study podcast. Also. Also. I'm reading the New Revised Standard version of the Bible, and Lauren is reading the New International version of the Bible.
0: Good job stepping on my line the way I stepped on yours. (laughs) I appreciate it. No problem. Uh, And uh, there's not that much violence and sex in this one, is there?
1: No, but just as a general warning, the Bible is a dangerous place. Yeah,
0: so, you know, listen with caution. Yeah. With us today in the studio, we have a third person. She is a writer and podcaster. Uh, I know her from working together at the online literary magazine, Midnight Breakfast. You may know her from her podcast, Let's Not Panic, in which she and her husband are traveling through South America in a forerunner and chronicling what happens along the way. She is able to be in our studio today because she is temporarily home from South America to promote two books, her first children's book, also an octopus, as well as an anthology that she contributed to full of satirical erotic fan fiction so two great books that don't go great together uh maggie takuda hall welcome to the show hi hey maggie thanks for having me thank you so much for being here i'm so glad we could fit you into the schedule or you could fit us into your schedule yeah she's the one that's
1: before you go back to columbia (laughs) (laughs) whichever
2: (laughs) way it is i'm just real (laughs) glad to be here
1: (laughs) there's plenty of bible left but i'm not sure how much i mean time she has here and that's not a threat it's like (laughs)
2: There being plenty of Bible left as a threat, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm particularly excited to be here for what I think might be the shortest book you guys have read so far. That's it is. true. So far, the Book of Joel, which is about exactly as much Bible as I'd like to read. Oh good. Oh good. <laughs> so on that note, we
1: figured um, it was kind rather yeah. than hand you, I don't know, numbers or something like that.
2: Yeah, or like the Book of Enoch. Oh my God. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what is your religious background? I'm Jewish. Um, I became a bat mitzvah in 1997. I played in the Maccabee Games in 1999 on Team San Francisco for softball. Wow! Tell us more about the Maccabee Games. It's just what you'd imagine. Uh, So, like a bunch of Jewish kids, you're getting Gorilla soldiers. (laughs) You're (laughs) fighting against the Greeks. Or It's uh, a bunch of Jewish kids in Detroit, and we were hosted by like the hockey team, like one of the hockey moms.
1: not the Red Wings.
2: No. My, a oh my, di- no. A different hockey team. No, These are only Jewish athletes. So none of them went pro. Okay. Um, and we um, went could to. Could you, one you other... stop being so anti Semitic on our podcast? Never. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were all terrible. <laughs> uh, like, we went to one of the host family's hockey games. Their son was playing it, and a kid got checked and just sat down on the ice and started crying. Mm-hmm. That's what the Maccabee games were like. Oh, It was very sweet. That's I like that. And it was really fun. That sounds great. Um, that sounds nice. And I was the only person who wasn't white who was there. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my relationship with Judaism is obviously... Sport-based. Sports-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you can tell it from listening to me, but I'm not white. Uh, I'm half Japanese, which isn't a very big deal, but it does mean that when I went through Hebrew school, which I did, um, and would do things like the Maccabee Games or go to a Jewish grandparents and grandkids camp, which is another thing that I did. Uh, no one believed me or my sister were Jewish. Oh. Um, so we were raised really Jewish, um, but I don't have a super strong identity with the community. And I think it's mostly because I spent my entire life being like, no, actually, mm. actually, really, I promise I'm Jewish. And people being like, but not really, though. Right? <laughs> right? Right. And, <laughs> um, mm. So as an adult, I've kind of come back to it. And found more appreciation for it, uh, mostly in the idea of people of the book and the idea that you would reread something over and over and over again and constantly have new meaning and new things to talk about from it. And that as a practice is like very fascinating and very exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Ooh, well, then this is the right podcast for you.
1: Well, we only read them once. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Caveat being that I don't actually feel that way about the Torah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the
0: Torah, um, the Torah
1: is long gone. Yeah.
2: Is a
0: special part of the right, Bible.
2: Right, right. Um, Anyway, so I love that as a practice, but as it pertains to other books. Sure. <laughs> sure.
0: So have you done have you done any bible reading in the past?
2: Only in hotel rooms when I get like really drunk. Okay. And then you have that feeling of like, well, it's here. <laughs> I should take a look at it. It always seems like way funnier than oh, it ends up mm, Because 'cause I you're see. like, I'll just open it to a random page and then you're like, Oh no, this was a horrible choice. See, like if you're
0: raised Christian then yeah. and you're no longer Christian, you're like, No, that – that's stain in the drawer, <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, Unless, like you, you wouldn't think that it would be funny. If maybe if you were drunk and you wanted like a good cry, you might take it out. <laughs> oh, brutal!
2: Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you remember like your bat mitzvah Torah reading? I do because um, I'm born in September, so mine was right around Rosh Hashanah okay. that year. Yes. Um. So mine was the very beginning. It was like in the beginning. Oh, like that wow. was my so. Um. I'm kind of jealous of people who had more obscure Torah portions mm-hmm. because uh, they learned something they didn't already know. Whereas I was invited to examine like the one part. That, that everyone, everyone knows. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, could,
1: everybody could be like, what's this Bible all about? Let me crack it open. Line one. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, like my Torah portion took you right through where all lazy people get to. Sure. Mm. <laughs> like that was it. I think we like got to the making of the oceans and they're like, you're done. So, <laughs>
0: I just talked to somebody at your book launch party. Yeah. Uh, Lewis, whose Torah reading was like somewhere in the middle of numbers. And it was like, like directions on how to make a tabernacle or mm-hmm. something. Awesome.
2: <laughs> See, like my sister got one of the ones uh, in Deuteronomy that's like perioding women are disgusting. Uh- <laughs> and like I kind of wish I'd had one of those just so that it's I could have like been 13. The
0: possible <laughs> worst bat mitzvah thing you could mm-hmm. ever do. I oh mean, my she's God. a smart
2: cookie. She handled it. right <laughs> Like I think that there's something kind of um, hilarious and awesome about forcing someone in the most awkward stage of their life to address just the most ridiculous, outdated dogma yes. available. Someone to them.
0: who has either just started their period recently or not started it at all—like <laughs> it's still just a wonderful mystery—and they're like, <laughs> "Wow, this looks bad. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to this.
2: <laughs> oh, I have to go stay in a tent. <laughs> I'm unclean. <gone> <laughs> the tent uh, seems kind of cool, though. You know, it's really embarrassing. I, I said that it
1: would be a it would be a roof tent, right?
2: Like, yeah. <laughs> Mine is. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, she would be. Yeah. yeah. I I stay in a rooftop tent whether or not I'm perioding. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back to Joel, because we're all so excited to
0: talk about Joel.
1: Joel, Joel, Joel. Those are the words on America's lips. (laughs) It's from C to signing C. Nobody can quit talking about this wonderful book of Joel.
0: This is the book that uh, when Nico was like, oh, like, what's the next one on the list? And I was like, Joel. And he's like, Joel, like, just. The name Joel. (laughs) There's just like a guy (laughs) named Joel in the Bible. I'm like, yep. Uh, So here's my fast facts about Joel. They're quite fast. Okay. Basically, all you need to know is it's another one of the minor, the 12 minor prophets, so called because the books are shorter, not because the prophets are supposed to be less important. Mm -hmm. And nobody really knows when it was written for sure because it doesn't refer to any like historical events really concretely. But it does mention Greeks. Mm -hmm. So... As as a biblical scholar myself, mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that it's post-exilic.
2: Maggie, how much do you know
0: about the Babylonian exile?
2: <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. Nothing. Okay. So
0: <laughs> I'm going to summarize it for you real quick. Bring it. I summarize it pretty much every episode. Yeah. So old listeners, sorry, we're doing it again. New listeners, guess what? Here's the Babylonian exile. So there was the kingdom of Israel. It's split into two. There was the northern kingdom, which was called Israel, and the southern kingdom called Judah. Assyria took over the northern kingdom. That's the Assyrian exile. And they deported all the Jews, and those Jews were lost forever.
1: The ten Mm -hmm. lost tribes. Those
0: are the ten lost tribes. In the south, Babylon took over and deported the Jews. That's the Babylonian exile. But then Persia took over and repatriated the Jews. So the Babylonian exile lasted 66 years. And it's pretty much what, like, the whole Old Testament is about, like, After the Torah and then a couple books and then it's just like the rest of it is just about the Babylonian exile. Mm -hmm. The whole Bible is based on like this political event that happened that people still base their religion on for some reason. Mm -hmm. So we're dealing with someone who I assume is from after they returned to Jerusalem slash Judah. But I could be wrong. Nobody knows for sure.
1: I saw I saw some some competing theories on that. It's one of the most well-preserved books of the Bible. What does that, that mean? It's been edited only very, very, very lightly in okay. its history. Um, and people would date it to a variety of times, including before any of the exiles, and may place it as early as 900 BC, making it one of the earliest minor prophet books. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: And just like the Greeks maybe were added in later, or maybe they already were, maybe they just mentioned the Greeks.
1: Hey, maybe a little bit of A, a little bit of column B. You. <laughs> Concatenate them in the, with a function into column C. Okay, and then
0: <laughs> that all sounded correct.
1: That's how you do Excel, baby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've learned so much already, you guys. <laughs> this is how biblical analysis is done. I'm glad yeah. we could teach Good. you. Good. Um. So, do you know we you read this on
2: a Bible app, Maggie? I sure did. Let me, you get, know your, which... let me get your
1: review of of the Bible app.
2: Well, comparing it now to the boys' Bible, which oh, yeah. you guys have lent me for this particular podcast, yeah, Maggie's a... now looking
0: at the skateboard scorpion Bible.
2: <laughs> the skateboard scorpion Bible far superior. Uh-huh. Really boils it down for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was using a website slash app called Bible Study Tools, which was very difficult to navigate. So mm. I give it minus ten locusts <laughs> for difficulty in navigation. But like,
1: Unfortunately, there are millions of locusts. Yeah, so that's still an excellent rating. Right, but, but like
2: plus a gla- glass of wine for a drunkard for like at least being free and available.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so you know it it'll do. Like the many trick. drunkards are. Um, <laughs> uh, but this this boys' bible you guys have is mm-hmm. really just I I'm learning so much really about my own it all masculinity. Down for it, yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah. So um,
0: so let's. I guess dive into chapter one of Joel. (laughs) How
1: much more time can we kill here? What do we want to talk about? Oh, yeah.
0: So Joel is it's three chapters long Mm -hmm. and the chapters are all like poetry. So they're even shorter. Mm -hmm. So it was it took about 15 minutes to read. Mm -hmm. And we're going to stretch that out into an hour long podcast approximately. (laughs) Aren't you excited? Don't say that. Aren't you excited?
1: Don't say that. (laughs)
2: This episode's going to be terrible. <laughs> uh,
1: it took 15 minutes to read, but it's going to take a lifetime to process.
2: <laughs> so it's basically,
0: um, it's very similar to a lot of the other apocalyptic poetry that we've read. Mm-hmm. But it does have one standout feature, which is that it's it's focused on locusts. It's got a locust focus. And my Bible's scholarly notes go to great lengths to say over and over again. That this plague of locusts is literal and it's not metaphorical. Mm-hmm. And he was just talking about like an actual locust problem that they were having with their crops. Mm-hmm. And that's all.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. I don't know why my Bible posits that because it seems pretty clear that it's maybe, maybe literal, but definitely also metaphorical. Right. right.
1: My guess is that your Bible is trying to inject a little bit of historicity into the, into the book that lacks um, already in the text, like trying to situate it, you know, and say but this like, is why? really happening. I don't know because they, your Bible, likes to give that it
2: credibility.
1: Yeah, credibility, exactly.
0: But like they, I mean, my Bible doesn't have any knowledge about actual historical. Local Has or that does ever it ever stopped anyone? <laughs> Certainly not stopped this Bible. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but locust plagues were a, were a relatively common thing.
0: Right, right. Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's perfectly plausible that this literally happened, but like it's clearly also metaphorical, right? Right. Well, okay. Let's get into it. So. Pretty standard apocalyptic poetry. We've got, you know, uh, the vine is dried up and the fig tree is withered. Surely the joy of mankind is withered away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Put on sackcloth, O priest, and mourn. Wail you who minister before the altar. Uh, That's all very similar to stuff that we've seen that's definitely not referring to
3: locusts.
2: It's, are there so many apocalyptic poetry sections that sound like exactly someone getting really sad, drunk, and then sobering up and apologizing for it? Yes. yes.
1: That is the format of apocalyptic poetry.
2: That is that just- I don't
0: know if time? we've if we've like quite articulated it that way, but that is the perfect way to articulate it. <laughs> yes. And that happens over and over and over and over. Yeah.
1: Sometimes over 60 chapters, sometimes over 10. Yeah. In this case, over three.
0: But the locust stuff is kind of cool. It
1: is cool. There's a nice paragraph that says, what the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Do you think they're talking about three different kinds of locusts?
0: According to my Bible, yes, Mm -hmm. and that is it. And they're just talking about different species of locusts or possibly locusts at different points in their life cycle.
1: You know what I read was that some locusts are kosher and some are not.
0: What? I thought they were all, oh, wait. What did we learn about them?
1: Well, there was a revision to the kosher laws later.
0: Because you're not supposed to eat things with four legs like insects. Right. It said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not supposed to eat insects with four legs. Yeah. Yeah. But like locusts were allowed or something like that. Locusts was allowed. are allowed, but only
1: certain types. Yeah. Okay. It's like red, green, and yellow locusts are the ones you can eat.
0: Well, what's left? Brown? What fuck if I know. What a locust. Think I'm a
1: locustologist like? over here?
0: I was hoping you were. Why else did I have you on this podcast?
1: It's an excellent question, as always.
2: (laughs) This looks really different than the version I read. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sometimes different translations are, like, substantially different. Yeah.
1: Do you know know which translation you read?
2: The Bible Study Tools translation, the oft-heralded Salem Communications free app in the App Store version. (laughs) Uh, Wait, let me let me see it. Let me see if I can tell which version it is from There looking. it goes. I especially like it because of all the ads in it. Mm. I feel Nothing like it's- Nothing better is, than
1: profiting from the Bible.
2: Yeah, like very- Patreon.com
1: slash Sunday School Dropout. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't exist.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought this is the NIV. I
1: think it's the NIV? Yeah. yeah.
2: I did not read it carefully enough. <laughs> that, so I was like, oh, this looks new.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, something just about the rivets in that book just- make it pop, you know? That,
2: I'm really like, boys, pretty the excited boys about the boys Bible.
1: We got, we got you, get you a girl's Bible at some point.
2: I bet that would be more upsetting. Like this is like, just uh-huh. kind of funny yes. and silly. Yes. Whereas if you read like the girl's Bible, where they're like, this is where it tells you that you're dirty and wrong. And that your own pleasure is. This a one is sin. all
1: about like how how to grow up to be a biblical man as well. Is uh-huh. a concept that's espoused both in the essays at the front and in a lot of the columns. No,
0: I had I had the equivalent of this, the teen study Bible. It was the Zondervan NIV Teen Study Bible. Um, so it was like, don't have sex.
1: And you were saying that idol worship was all about listening to pop music and.
0: Oh yeah, <gasps> this is okay. That's magic. This is like in church, growing up. We talked about idols all the time. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, don't worship idols, don't worship idols. And that was like conceived of as, you know, like pop music or secular stuff, like Mm -hmm. or even like doing well at school. That's like an idol. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: It's definitely an idol you should worship, though. No, because
0: that sounds terrible. Why would you want? (laughs) (laughs) Because like God has come first before everything.
1: But if you worship that idol, it will reward you. Much more than God will.
0: No, no, no. Because when you die, you go to heaven. That's oh, the ultimate okay. reward. <laughs> I forgot about that. Nothing. Fuck nothing, your grades. Yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, like that's that's the philosophy about it. Huh. Um. And so we talked about idols a lot. And what I didn't realize now that I do realize from reading this much of the Bible so far is that they literally fucking meant idols. They meant actual yeah. statues of Sumerian gods. They did not mean pop music. They did not mean doing well in school. They meant
2: literal golden
0: idols <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: i imagine that's kind of the way that you were raised as well because that's like very clear to jews where it's like you just don't take in false images of things that are supposed to be gods like you wouldn't have a buddha sculpture in your home and be like oh this is here for a lot well, or whatever She was, was not really i raised, wasn't raised like,
1: religious in any way oh okay yeah. i was like
2: because that seemed really clear to me being raised as a reformed jew this. Uh-huh. like it did not refer to like Anyone who was ever famous, it referred to like literal, literal. statues okay. and like mm-hmm. images of God. I'm glad. That really cut it. <laughs> I'm really glad
0: that that's still, <laughs> that, that hasn't been warped in Judaism the way it has in Christianity. Because I I wish that I had read this as a teenager and been like, okay, I'm clear. Like <laughs> I am not worshipping Baal. I am not worshipping Asherah.
2: All I'm doing <laughs> is, is getting is, straight A's. You do
1: have a photo of Molech up in your locker. Shh.
2: But. Be quiet about my molek. Like, cut in a little heart, <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, Mrs. Lauren Molek. <laughs> oh
0: God. So back to Joel. Okay. The the locust stuff is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I wrote down some some good locust quotes. Uh, Before them, the land is like the Garden of Eden. Behind them, a desert waste. Nothing escapes them. They have the appearance of horses. They gallop along like a cavalry. With a noise like that of chariots, they leap over the mountaintops. And also, the day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? That's clearly not about locusts, but Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, it's
2: okay. (laughs) I actually thought that the second chapter was really beautiful compared to Mm -hmm. both the first and the third. Like, it uses the most lively language, and I really just read it as kind of a treatise on mortality like it's coming that's the way that the army of locusts is described to me just sounded like the kind of onward march of mortality Mm. where you're like you're gonna die so maybe before you do that repent chapter three
0: yes (laughs) i think that's a great way to read it i also think it was probably actually talking about the babylonian exile (laughs) i think yeah super (laughs) literal (laughs) well metaphorical but only by one degree right like
1: (laughs) it's it's a I think it's a spiritual metaphor like that, but Mm -hmm. for a whole people rather than for an individual. I think.
0: Hmm. But like, I mean, one of the nice things about the Bible is you can interpret it however you want. Like the reason that like people still read the Bible, despite the fact that it's like mostly just about this one political event Mm. where Babylon took over Judah is because you can like take those lessons and apply them to your life. You can say that like it's about mortality and that's what you can take from it mm-hmm. but like this is definitely the metaphors that we've seen that are explicitly referring to Babylon. like yeah, it I would also... be
1: interesting to read this in isolation after having read all of this stuff like we've just read so much prophecy about yeah we've, exile we've, like, about. we've read like
0: 10 different versions of this
2: i haven't read any of that <laughs> as it was probably made abundantly clear by the way that i read this <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i think the way that you're reading it
0: is really beautiful and good and like an argument in favor of the Bible. (laughs) Yeah. Because the way I'm reading it is like, yeah, okay, we know Babylon (laughs) took over. Like you don't have to keep telling me.
3: Right.
2: But That's so funny. Yeah. I just, without knowing, without any context, the second chapter is actually just really like kind of beautiful the Uh way that like, I don't know if either of you guys have read the secret history, but they talk about this idea that, did these, that a long time ago the moments of violence and terror are often the most beautiful because they remind you of your own mortality and being aware of the brevity of your own life is a really beautiful mm. transcendent moment. And the second chapter definitely took me to that place, whereas mm. the first chapter seemed like a sad drunk person who just needed <laughs> to hush. <laughs> and then the third one was well, we'll get into that. But
0: another thing, like along those lines. That I wrote down is this verse return to the Lord, your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Okay, that's obviously not true. But then it says, (laughs) who knows? He may turn and have pity. Mm -hmm. And I feel like. Who knows is not like a great attitude to hang your whole theology on, but Mm. I also feel like it's honest. That's true. You know, because in real life. When you're stumbling around, it is kind of like, well, who knows? Maybe God will have pity on
2: you. Maybe he won't. Like things might turn out well for you. They might not. And you don't really have any control over it. I think that's a much easier promise to keep, too, as a book that's meant to like, that's you know, tell, <laughs> like what God is capable of. Like, who
0: knows? Yeah. If you're like prophesying about the future,
2: who knows is a pretty safe bet. Yeah. yeah and the idea, too, if you think of the Bible just as like a book of promises where it's like, here's what. We're telling you, like, this is what life means. This is, you know, what's coming for you afterward. Mm-hmm. Making lots of provisions for, like, shit's still going to happen in your life and mm-hmm. your life is still probably going to be a hot pile of garbage <laughs> is probably a really good plan, for, mm-hmm. like, just on the author's side, where it's like, let's let's make sure that we've covered most of humanity.
1: It improves the wisdom portfolio of the book. Yeah. You know, just be like, hey, there's some wiggle room built in here. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Past performance is no indication mm-hmm. of... Future gains.
0: So, should we take a break? Yes. All right. Uh, you're going to hear some music and then we'll be back in a bit. Okay. Bye bye. bye.
1: Back to Sunday School dropouts. I'm Nico
0: and I'm Lauren,
1: and we're here with Maggie Takuda Hall. Hi,
2: Maggie. Hi, guys. I'm still here. Oh my god, I know. you didn't leave already? You <laughs> Thank you.
1: Decamped back to another continent. Here?
2: <laughs> you haven't kicked me out yet for saying "fuck" too many times. Yeah, <laughs> so no, thanks. we're
0: we're definitely pro saying "fuck" on this podcast. <laughs>
2: So you're you're looking at the Skateboard Scorpion Bible. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, give us any uh, secrets
0: from within it? Give us a little taste.
2: I can. And my favorite part about this uh, repent in the middle side note that it's offered here in bright orange mm-hmm. is that it also says get deeper. Okay. Which is a gross penetration metaphor for a boy's Bible. Yes. Um, and it starts with when you're losing a big game and the referee is looking the other way. Oh, I've been there. It's tempting to cheat. Oh, I know about sports. Yeah, sports really help us, you know, kind of circumnavigate the point of this Bible portion. Because when he's talking about all the locusts, I was pretty sure he was talking about baseball, also. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
1: thought so too. Yeah, locusts or I guess that, that, that's umpire.
0: Year. That's like yeah. my
2: favorite team is like the the Akron
0: Locusts.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Yeah, so it's great. It has like a a cross drawn at a jaunty angle, so you know it's fucking hip. Oh. Oh, shit. Yeah, Wait, it's me. got like show a lot. Me. See?
0: They're oh like, my God, I had not seen that one yet. Look yeah, how that's the, that's... fucking hip this cross is. I had only seen the Skateboard
2: Scorpions and yeah. that, that cross, it is at a jaunty angle. Mm-hmm. People that's love remarkable. descriptions of pictures they can't see on podcasts. And I feel like this one's like particularly is, yeah, strong. Top of the list. Yeah. It looks like the kind of uh, crucifix you'd use to murder a vampire. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So it's like an extreme cross, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah. Spelled with... Three X's. Yeah. <laughs> but not for <what> you
1: expect.
0: <laughs> I
2: think that's the porn. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: like, extreme cross, the, oh, the triple X There's parody, probably right. Jesus
2: porn, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. Oh, probably. Jesus. There has to be. Because
0: it's like so, like, people have so much shame around religion. Oh, so yeah. So, like, it's definitely that's pretty a porn hot. thing. Yeah, yeah. You know that
2: the nice. Jesus porn is like, gross porn. It must be. Like, the kind where you watch it and, like, you can't even watch it ironically with friends over a drink. Like, it's just like, ooh, no. I I, I can't watch any porn because I was raised Christian, so. (laughs) You've never had, like, an ironic porn thing happening at a
0: party? Like, when
2: that (laughs) happens, I'm like, oh, this, I'm not allowed, I'm not allowed I'll, I'll look away <laughs> like i have to step away yeah i can't even imagine how you'd react to the jesus porn then no i it would be like you know it involves i think like it would
0: feet. like send me into yeah oh my god right probably just washing each yeah. other's feet you know that obviously you know that feet in the old testament is a euphemism for
2: dicks shut the fuck up That's true it's
1: true and that's something that they guys, had to know as well. Yes. They had to know that. Yes. We're
2: done here. We've learned everything we have to learn <laughs> in the Bible. <laughs> Feet dicks. Everyone can go home.
1: <laughs> Locusts win the pennant.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's disgusting. <laughs> A lot of the Bible is pretty disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't scare me with dick talk, but that's disgusting. <laughs> that's just the worst. So tell us about this uh, baseball cross. Well... It talks about Facebook the girls. different situations that could come up for a young man, like somebody trying to sell you a CD that's <gasps> probably stolen. No. Mm-hmm. But you're like, maybe I want it. You just
1: say, I don't like hip hop, sir. Thank you.
2: <laughs> that's the devil's music. Um, even when you're right in the middle of messing up, you can say sorry and ask God to get you out of your mess. <laughs> but my favorite. He may or may not listen. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> uh, God's forgiveness will help you will give you the spiritual muscles to help you the next time around and I like that they situate it in muscles because mm-hmm. like as a young man I know that that's how I understand the world right. is like in terms of gains
3: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know mm-hmm.
2: and I feel like this book CrossFit. is just yeah it's helping it's like me for yeah, yeah. My like spiritual crossfit yeah my spiritual gains
1: <laughs> like do you even lift bro but spiritually
2: yeah do you even lift bibles bro <laughs>
1: yeah. have you even been lift up bro <laughs>
2: Oh, that's awful.
1: You see, do you notice that spot on the gym where there's only one pool of sweat? That's when I was spotting you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was good, baby. Oh, God. I bet there is a CrossFit Bible, and I bet it's well, odious. It's
0: like a jaunty CrossFit. Like cross. Oh. Like
2: crucif- crucifit.
1: Crucifit. Oh. <laughs> crucifit. Do you want to make a million dollars, baby?
0: <laughs> there's like a, you know, that there's like that startup con body. Mm-hmm. We could do crucifit. Crucifit? Yeah, and we could be like, we know all about the Bible. It, <laughs> we read it for a podcast.
1: Spiritually focused, high <sighs> energy, aerobic group exercise. Yes. yes. It's like you're slamming your delts, but for God. For God, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: You guys are kidding, but you know that that's basically what CrossFit is, right? Like you do it for veterans, like the big- You um, do it for
1: veterans? <laughs> so the, what? I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, okay. Hold on to your butts. This is about to get weird in crossfit <laughs> Um. They have what are called hero workouts of the day, hero wads um, that hero, are named oh workout workout of the of day, the day. Wad. okay yeah, hero wads, wads. yeah right. okay that okay seems so a we're little, already in the territory already, of, like, like
0: disrespecting our troops but that's cool keep going yeah wait for it
2: okay um, they are named for veterans who have died oh my god in duty oh my god um, and they are all just not not good for your body (laughs) like Mm -hmm. like, all the hero wads are the ones where you're like are you fucking crazy like who would do that they're like an hour long you run constantly and like throw people over their head you don't throw people but you get the idea like Mm -hmm. it's just bananas so the idea of it then being like not for veterans but also for god not that big of a stretch like if i understand anything about america that is not much of a stretch i mean like jesus had to well he had to carry the cross for a while.
0: Mm-hmm. Then someone mm-hmm. else took over. No, that would be like
1: the <gasps> pinnacle of the workout.
0: Yes.
1: You've seen those people, high intensity, like pushing tires over in the streets yeah, that's and stuff? Like, yeah, yeah totally. but
0: like doing the cross. But, but I like, mean, people, carrying yeah, a
2: cross. That, yeah. They call it functional fitness too, where like there are people, not necessarily CrossFit, but like where like carrying another person is like a thing. Uh-huh. Mm. But if you had to carry someone on a cross, like very functional. Uh, Yeah. Faith-driven fitness. Faith-driven,
1: yeah. Faith-driven fitness. Mm -hmm. Have you ever... Let me tell you something about the faith-driven fitness industry. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) I'm just... I have some very interesting franchise opportunities (laughs) for you Mm -hmm. that, you know, we can talk about off air, you know, but it's just... It's a great way to make your ministry serve not just people's spirits, but their bodies. Mm.
2: You know, as a previous marketing professional, and not even kidding... You could probably get filthy, disgusting, rich yeah, on no, your faith-driven... Anyway, back to Joel. <laughs> Chapter three of Joel.
0: We...
1: I'm going to edit out all of that stuff that will compromise our business plan. Okay. So it's like none of this ever happened.
2: <laughs> Perfect. So this um, episode's down to like 10 minutes again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, did you know that God's going to
0: destroy all Israel's enemies?
1: I heard that before, it's, actually. Yeah, he's
0: going to punish them for destroying Israel, even though he's the one who made them destroy Israel to punish Israel for worshiping idols. Yep, been there before. Um, so we've got, you know, very standard uh, apocalyptic slash messianic imagery. Uh, the day of the Lord is near in the Valley of Decision. The sun and moon will be darkened and the stars no longer shine. The Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. Then you will know that I, the Lord your God, dwell in Zion. Jerusalem will be holy.
1: Very good, very classic uh, apocalyptic Just stuff. Classic it's got stuff. it checks all the boxes, yep. but it does it in only three chapters. Can you believe how much time these other dudes were wasting? with I, this That's stuff? true. If honestly. Joel does it so well Joel, in three chapters,
2: Joel is like really efficient. Joel had like Raymond Chandler's editor take yeah, a cut, totally. Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> mm-hmm. um,
0: uh, you know, and then like the world's gonna end, uh, but then the mountains will drip new wine, and the hills will flow with milk. All the ravines of Judah will run with water, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and then uh, everything will be cool forever.
1: Yeah, sounds good.
0: All you need is
2: milk and wine. That's yeah, I keep trying to tell everyone. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's yeah.
1: What else? And for parties, you can just mix them up.
0: Just mix them up. Get some of that. Woo.
2: <laughs> Getting <laughs> sassy with some milk Wilk. wine. Oh, that sounds Wilk. disgusting. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> um, the thing is, okay, so I was like,
0: I was thinking this was post-exilic, but mm-hmm. it is kind of weird that like the Lord dwells in Zion. That's the last line of the book. And and it refers to that a couple times throughout the book. Mm-hmm. That's like a more... That's like an earlier version of God, who's more local, mm-hmm. um, who like dwells in a certain place rather than being just like omnipresent. Yeah, omnipresent and and omnipotent, everywhere, all the time at once. So I don't know. Maybe it was written. Who 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 the fuck knows? Nobody knows. Who knows? Question mark.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm sure there's very interesting literary and you know theological analysis that could point you in in different directions, but. In terms of like a consensus, I didn't read a, a really strong consensus about when this was from. And that the confusing thing about the Bible is, since it's not presented in this form chronologically uh-huh. as to when they think it was written, you never know if like it's earlier and the stuff that is reminiscent of later stuff is there because it was earlier yeah. or because it was written after and references that stuff.
0: That's especially because we're reading the Christian Bible. Because like
1: God, that sentence made no sense. No,
0: but it but like that's appropriate okay. because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> The, I think the Jewish Bible, it's in a slightly different order, and it's, like, I think pays more attention to, like, chronology, mm-hmm. although still not, like, 100%. But especially in the Christian Bible, it's really not in order, and it's, like, the decisions they made are sort of inscrutable.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You never really know what they're what they're trying to do. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> also, like, especially in the Christian Bible, they're also trying to, like
1: set things up for the second for the second act
0: yeah and they're also trying to make it seem like prophecies are all like literal and true Mm -hmm. um i mean not that i mean i'm sure that's like part of the jewish bible too if you're like really devout jewish you're supposed to believe that these things are literally prophecies but like christianity interprets literal prophecies differently because they're all supposed to be like pointing toward jesus
3: right
2: yeah, I don't remember ever being raised with the notion of prophecies. We always read the stories in terms of like, this actually happened. Uh huh. Which, you know, then they say they're like, kind of. You oh, know, yeah. When you're reformed, they're like, this actually happened. We're telling you. Um, but it was not like, oh, this will happen. Right. In the I future. mean, like,
0: I think mostly in terms of like mainstream Christianity, in terms of like what you learn in Sunday school, it's like, we assume this happened literally and we're gonna like derive a moral from it and we're gonna say like oh this means you're supposed to like be brave or this means you're supposed to like be faithful or whatever but um it also like (laughs) it also is supposed to point toward jesus always so who doesn't like pointing toward jesus i guess Mm -hmm. yeah i actually um i had a quote that i wanted to read from from this book how to read the bible by james l kugel that i mentioned on a previous podcast it was recommended to me by our listener aaron aka at anime waifu irl Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's his twitter handle um and it was really interesting i'll just read a small excerpt from it um it says for jews living throughout most of the post-exilic period history in general no longer seemed to make much sense earlier it had at least according to what scripture recounted meaning that like Supposedly, you know, they were punished for idolatry by having other countries take over them, mm-hmm. but then they were, but then the southern kingdom was rewarded at the end by being restored. Um, but after that, how was one to make sense of what followed? The Persians continued to rule Judah. No new David arose, as some had hoped, and the long lost northern tribes did not return. Jews were not being rewarded or punished, but seemed to be in some indeterminate state. So, like,
1: that's called the state of life. Yeah. That
0: is. Yeah, so like Wednesday. we've talked about <laughs> I mean even a little bit in this episode we've talked about how it's weird that like the Bible is about actual literal political events mm-hmm. and like trying to make sense of those theologically and trying to like feel some element of control over your life like um why was our nation taken over and destroyed and why were we exiled from our homeland? Well, it's because God wanted to punish us, but he'll ultimately reward us in the end. Mm -hmm. But then, like, after that, there's no like reward or punishment. So you have to just like make sense of a political holding pattern, Mm -hmm. you know, which requires even more imagination, like more justification, because like, more faith. Yeah. Because, like nothing actually means anything like we it's like did we wait nothing actually means anything I mean like well that's true in general but like it's like we were we were expecting to get rewarded so we did get rewarded cuz we got repatriated but like we're still under the Persian control and then and then Greek control and everything so it's like is did did we actually fundamentally misunderstand how God works or does this just mean that the apocalypse is coming and that'll sort everything out. You know, like the apocalypse suddenly comes up after the exile. Mm-hmm. Like it's not in there before the exile. But then afterward, it's like, well, this would be a, a way to make sense of everything. Like we are going to be rewarded in the near future because God is going to just end all civilization. He's going to sort the good people into heaven and the bad people into hell or, you know, sort of heaven and hell. equivalent. Equivalent, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, everything's just going to be set. So the universe does make sense, and we're cool, even though the Greeks are taking us over right now.
1: And that apocalyptic viewpoint has sort of persisted for 2,000 years since yeah. then? Yeah.
0: It's weird, right? Like, now, Maggie,
1: being raised Jewish— like Maggie, explain the apocalypse. Maggie,
2: <laughs> was, like, was the apocalypse a focus? No. Yeah. No, and I always regarded that as like a very particularly Christian notion. Yeah. And that might have been the way that I was raised, because my dad— was raised conservative Jewish, um, and I was raised reform mm-hmm. and it was always made pretty clear to us that like, once we were grown ups, we got to make all of our own choices. Uh-huh. We were just being raised with this idea so that we would have some kind of a background. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was pretty clear, especially because my mom was not Jewish and refused to convert and uh-huh. habitually told us that all organized religion was like kind of a sham. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> So the idea of there being like the time is nigh, mm-hmm. uh, the apocalypse apocalypse is coming, um, was definitely something in our home and as far as my spiritual, you know,
0: education education
2: went, was regarded with a lot of irony and like eye rolling and like that's just some ridiculous Christian shit. Yeah, and this is why you're not Christian
0: because like, like this. I mean, that was definitely. I mean. Like I said, my church wasn't super conservative. We weren't super focused on like Armageddon, but that's definitely a part of it. Like, yeah, definitely like the second coming of Jesus is always like in the background. Um,
1: And but of course, the interesting thing is the reason the first coming of Jesus was important was because they were looking out for a Messiah. They were looking out for the sign of the end times. Right. Right. There was a there was an. Uh, Like a whole spate of apocalyptic cults based around like Messiah figures in Judaism.
0: Yes. So I've been like shocked to discover that like the past, I don't know, like 10 Bible books that we've read Mm
2: -hmm. have all been about. The apocalypse and a messiah. Mm -hmm. I think because that's a more comforting lie, ultimately. Like, if you think of all religion as just lies that we tell ourselves to comfort ourselves in the darkness of the night, where we're like, what's going to happen? Right. The kind of reformed Jewish way that I was raised is not comforting at all. Mm -hmm. It's like, we don't know what will happen. You'll die. And that's a fact. Period. What is like not? You didn't learn anything about the afterlife? No, that's the thing is like I was raised very specifically with no idea of the afterlife and the idea that like we can't promise you anything. We can promise you that you're going to die. <laughs> we got that. Congratulations. We, you're we, in we second th- grade. You're going to die. Yeah. And in <laughs> fact,
1: that's why I think that the apocalypse theology is such an enduring one. Exactly. It's because it is in like a larger spiritual sense, a human life, you know, that like mm-hmm. a human life comes to an end after which there's judgment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like the entire world will come to an end it's like it's it's a scale that we understand that's like yeah the apocalypse is coming because everybody's gonna die one day
0: everybody's
2: individual world will end yes yeah and it's a very self-centered one too i think there is something kind of comforting to know like well i'm gonna end but so's the whole yeah There's right. so here's the thing that i and the whole world have in common yeah it's just
1: it's all about the fear of missing out you know trying to, <laughs> try to avoid fomo <laughs>
2: There's actually like a chapter on that. Not <laughs> yeah. in Joel, but I hear later, mm-hmm. the FOMO. I hear prophet. that yeah. <laughs> I hear that too. <laughs> yeah, the book of uh the book of like pending Facebook invitations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually do remember being a kid and feeling like there was something appealing about Christianity just because at least I had the potential of going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's like a pretty good promise and your Christian friends would be like, heaven is where like it's ice cream all the time and everyone who has ever loved you will be there and you're like, that sounds great. But also the flip side is like,
0: my experience of being Christian was like, I'm going to go
2: to hell. What if I go to hell? Well, see, that's the thing. That's why I think that Christianity is so well poised for proselytizing, but not so well poised for enduring faith. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, it's a really convincing thing to tell other people are like, listen, you just confess your sins and then you're forgiven and then you have the potential to go to heaven where everything's amazing all the time and you're like yes give me some of that good num-nums that all sounds <laughs> fantastic and then you get there and they're like crippling shame yes. comes with this cuz you're a constant disaster yes. and you're born in sin and you're like oh this isn't as good as i thought but now i'm here and i want that heaven so
1: <laughs> i was uh, i was promised good num-nums <laughs>
2: Like I can see why Christianity did really well in terms of like getting new people, uh-huh. where Judaism does not. A because it's not a Jewish idea to proselytize mm-hmm. at all, right? But also because it doesn't give a lot of easy answers. Mm-hmm. Like it's supposed to be something you constantly interrogate and like make new decisions about, which is not a good way yeah. to get new members. I mean, like
0: some some sort of circles of Christianity have room for like interrogating, mm-hmm. but. That's not the mainstream experience of Christianity. It's like you're not supposed to ask questions. And also you're supposed to like think about hell all the time every day.
2: That sounds so exhausting. It is, especially for a child. Yeah. You know, like when I was like
0: eight years old, I have like my diaries from when I was 10 years old. Oh, no. And it's like I was I read them a while back. And in there, at 10 years old, I'm like, oh, well, my friend, like, one of my close friends at the time was Jewish. And I was like, um, like I'm really praying to God that she converts because I don't want her to go to hell. And, like, that's I, such a fucked up thing to teach a little kid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I agree. It is. It's like, <laughs> especially because it doesn't really exist. <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, you're just telling children this horrifying fiction that, like, Scars them for life. And
2: it's not even true. Okay. In defense of Christianity, Uh from the perspective of a Jew, Uh (laughs) um, when you talk to people who have just come from, like, incredibly unfair circumstance and destitution Mm -hmm. and poverty, I do meet people where you're like, wow, this is why Christianity is valuable because it gave you something bigger than yourself to believe in. And that kind of sureness in something like heaven is a much more useful lie when you're genuinely concerned for your survival. I think that's true. And I do, so like, I make, I've been making fun, but I also do see very much like, especially now traveling through um, South America where like Christianity and Catholicism Mm -hmm. are such a big part of everyday culture. Mm -hmm. There are really beautiful things about those lies. <laughs> yeah, that are very comforting. Yeah, the like churches,
1: hard. the music, all thing, all beautiful things about Catholicism. Um, well, and community well, I know. outside I was, of yourself yeah, in the face of incredible devastation
2: <laughs> is like that's real. It is good to know like to feel like there's something beyond you. I think clearly we are all coming from this place of sort of like ironic regard for all of this, which I think belies a certain background of comfort.
0: I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Um, and I think that something that I, I don't really have in my life is community. I mean, I didn't have it as a Christian either because yeah. I felt constantly shamed and judged. Um,
2: Which it sounds like you were. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Which
0: I think is like, you know, like uh, common to a lot of Christian churches, but not all yeah. of them. Um but that is something like I don't really feel a strong sense of community, and I might benefit from that in some. Context, you know, yeah,
1: yeah. I for just... example, like a fitness-focused context, maybe.
0: Mm, yes. If I were strengthening both my physical and spiritual muscles at the same time, mm-hmm.
2: you guys, we're gonna be so rich. I don't <laughs> think you guys are ready for this, but we're about to be like Peter Thiel rich. Then we won't even
1: need religion. Yeah, <laughs> we'll buy our own communities.
2: We'll be like those weird. Like I don't know enough about this, and I'm going to sound like such an idiot. Oh, but like that... prosperity gospel stuff. Yes. Yeah. The
0: prosperity. Like gospel. Joel Osteen, Book of Joel. Book of Oh, We're bringing it
2: all around.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're good podcasters.
2: (laughs) Nailed it on the structure, you guys.
1: (laughs) Yeah, let's wrap this thing up. It's time to judge this book.
0: Judge this book. Okay, uh, I need to think of (laughs) it. I
1: usually call it rate this book. I don't know why I got a little intense. Like
0: we're feeling a little judgy right
1: now. (laughs) How would you rate this book?
2: I would give it three out of five sackcloths for a minister. Wow. Um. For the poetry of the second chapter, but uh-huh. minus one sackcloth for the sad sack drunk opening chapter, <laughs> mm-hmm. and minus one sackcloth for all the apocalypse nonsense in the third chapter. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's a good that's a good score. I that was ready for this. Nico, <laughs> uh, what would you rate this book?
1: I'm going to give this book 10 out of 13 hopping locusts. Okay. <laughs> for many of the same reasons. I like the poetry a lot. Actually- um, I really, really love this book because it presents a lot of the same ideas we've read, um, except condensed much, much better uh-huh. than some of the other stuff we read. And like, you really, you really feel the impact of it, I think when it's it presented in a, in a compact format, mm. you know, I like, I like it short, I like it sweet uh-huh. and I like it to like end. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, besides that it it does retread a lot of the same apocalyptic mm-hmm. stuff we've we've heard before mm-hmm. but overall it's it's fertile ground for for metaphor both uh, uh, you know of a personal spiritual nature and of a like sort of a larger scale theological nature mm-hmm. so pretty good marks 10 out of 13 hopping locusts
0: all right i'm going to give it like 5 out of 9 who knows is <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> I, it's just I mean, like, if I had just read this in isolation, mm-hmm. I might be more into it. I do definitely appreciate that it's short. I mean, definitely. But also, like, it's not really offering anything new <laughs> except for, like, a, a locust metaphor. And the locust metaphor is great, but, like, it doesn't count for that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the who knows bit. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yeah, I know. The day of the Lord is approaching. We're all going to be judged Whatever, I
2: know.
1: Mm-hmm. Maggie, where can people find you online and in print?
2: And ah. in podcast.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, my God. This is weird because I have, like, so many different things happening yes. just this week. Yes. The rest of my life is really boring. It's just this week.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're just. Yeah. the rest of your life you're just driving across South America. In it's a true. forerunner, figuring yeah. out where to poop. Yeah.
2: It's true. I do spend most of my life just trying to figure out where to poop. Um, if you want to hear about my never-ending quest of places to poop, Safely and with toilets, ideally. Uh Uh, You can listen to my podcast, Let's Not Panic, um, and you can see our pictures from our travels at Let's Not Panic on Instagram. It's real good. Um, If you wanted to see writing I had done that was less vulgar and less insulting to both Jews and Christians, (laughs) um, you can check out my children's book, Also an Octopus, which is meant to be a primer for giving kids the basic building blocks of narrative so that they can start telling their own stories.
1: But it's strangely harsh on Hindus.
2: (laughs) You know, I can't, I just can't hide no, look, how hey. hateful I am. It's okay. It's, <laughs> it's, okay. Just, it's so deep in me. Yeah. It's just so much hate. I understand. Um, for you just people who are not like me. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, like the other. Right. Yeah, the other. Like doesn't matter. Who likes the other? No, no one. one. No one. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. This if is, I'm going this to is hel- this, this is jokes.
0: This is jokes. Also, an
2: octopus is a very nice book for children. <laughs> it's appropriate for ages 4 to 8 and there's <laughs> no hate in it, I promise. Um and you can find my grown-up writing on prettyokmaggie.com. And that includes Does that include any of your uh erotic fanfiction? It doesn't anymore. Mm. Um, I had a freak out about a week bef- about a week ago um, that Though I am deeply obscure in children's uh-huh. literature, it would still be inappropriate for a well meaning, nice Christian first grade teacher to uh-huh. accidentally uh-huh. stumble upon something that was just like chock full of <laughs> dick jokes when all she wanted was like a guide it was for a nice octopus book. Yeah, yeah. Like that's just not fair. That's a little bit of a bait and switch. But mm-hmm. you
0: are in the anthology Loose Lips. It's true, which is uh, a collection of stories from Shipwreck. You're in it as well. I'm not in it. Just kidding. I didn't make the cut. What? I know. It's okay.
2: <laughs> I still think mine you're was actually. Fantastic. I think
0: mine was like too gross. <laughs> mine was very gross.
2: <laughs> I feel like you should publish it in conjunction with this episode. Uh, yeah, maybe <laughs> so people can like embrace the hate. Everyone can read about really my my Twilight fan fiction
0: that involves vampires like eating ass with hemorrhoids.
3: <laughs>
2: I forgot about the hemorrhoids. <laughs> that was a really good shipwreck, though, um, the Twilight Mom, one. turn this episode off
0: right now. No, you mean
1: turn this episode off 30 seconds ago.
2: Tur- go back in
0: time, please. You need one of those, like, men in black, like... <laughs> yes, I need the... Yeah. All right. Um, but, yeah, Loose Lips, mm-hmm. um, shipwreck, satirical, erotic fanfiction. Mm-hmm. It's great.
1: You can find us on Twitter, at Sunschooldrop.
0: Um, we're also on Facebook. It's the same URL, or you can just search for Sunday School Dropouts. You can find our website at Lol. That's lol. And you can contact us there. Contact at Lol.
1: You can follow Lauren on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill.
0: You can't follow Nico on Twitter because he doesn't have one yet. That's right. Let's help peer pressure Nico into getting Twitter. But if we get 100 iTunes reviews... Well, ratings or reviews. Nico has promised.
1: Reviews. Reviews. A
0: hundred reviews? That's what, Yeah. That's, those were the rules. Okay. We have like 22 reviews right now. Mm-hmm. If we get to a hundred, Nico will join Twitter. I will.
1: And I'll engage with, you know, the world, the, the fans, uh, the Twitterverse, the alt-right. Oh. um, everything i hear about on the news okay and i'm so excited to learn more about oh
0: no the discourse okay. well, <laughs> everyone let's not let's protect nico from twitter <laughs> let's <laughs> preserve his innocence <laughs> um but thank you so much nico for all of our sound engineering music and editing
1: you're welcome and thank you to elise carlton for our art and our logo
0: it's the best part of the podcast mm-hmm. let's be real uh and uh
1: thank you again to Maggie for being on the show today. Yes. Making time out of her busy schedule to come be with us in a very hot room yeah. <laughs> while jets fly overhead.
0: And um check out her podcast, Let's Not Panic.
1: Yep. Otherwise, we will see you on Sunday.
3: Bye. Bye.